Welcome to this episode of the Road to Blue Ox podcast. It is yet with a heavy heart that we welcome you. We are devoting this entire podcast to the memories, music, and mourning of our dear friend Max Graham. We lost Max back in early March. We are all still really hurting up here and throughout the community and the musical world that he was such an integral part of. It sometimes seems as though grief and loss are ruling each day. And as we mourn the loss of another black kid at the hands of the cops, I think of Max and his tireless efforts to fight against the injustices that we witness so often. I think of his relentless positivity, and I think of all the lives he touched, all the bonds he made, and all the joy he brought, despite being torn up by the illness that he kept. Max touched the lives of many in his short time, and we are here to celebrate and remember him in music and words. Where can we even begin? This episode features musicians and friends within the musical community. As that is how we knew Max, that is what we are trying to reflect. We wanted to cast a wide net for this. We reached out to people we knew that Max touched in our musical world. I'm sure we missed many people in the process, and many people probably have tons of wonderful stories and memories and thoughts about Max. But I think in the end we got to the heart of it, to the middle of Max's huge heart. As you listen, you will hear themes continue to bubble up. It was very uplifting to hear from so many, and I want to thank them deeply for doing something that is not easy. Can we admit that it is not easy to grieve? I think we can. We all deal with loss in our own way. And while we are confused and frustrated, and while we feel lost and in disbelief, I want to remind you that we are part of something larger. We are part of a community that is full of love and full of care, and that has a formidable energy. I thank all of those who submitted, and I thank all of those who couldn't muster it, and I thank you all for listening. This is my way of grieving. Max cared a lot. Max was a leader. Max was big, physically and figuratively. He was an energetic and enthusiastic presence that you could count on. Touring with Max was so much fun. Sharing a stage with him, late night jams, the whole deal. Again, you could always count on him. Relentlessly inclusive and the best cheerleader. I will particularly miss Max's leadership surrounding the Black Lives Matter movement in our city and within our scene. Max was fiercely inclusive. He wanted to bridge gaps and was already breaking down boundaries right here in Minneapolis. He was all action and ready for the ride, whatever happened along the way, good or bad. A great virtue, one that I always looked up to and actually longed for in my own self. I was ready for him to lead in that regard and his ideas were great and he acted on them. It's a true shame that he is gone. Again, I'm still in disbelief myself. But with that, I want to make way for the rest of this episode. Since my whole life I've been sworn Ever since the day I was born To sit right down on the river side alone Side alone 
Nate Sipe is in this intro. He's out in LA and we decided just to kind of cut it in a different way. He will show up later in interviews with Chris Forsberg and with Joe Scarpolino and Chuck Bokey. Thank you, Nate. Okay, so let's get into this. We asked people to reflect on Max, to tell us a memory or share thoughts on what it was like to perform with him or just speak from the heart about him. We want to start with the members of Kind Country. We love you guys, our hearts go out to you, and we can't imagine the loss that you feel. Let's hear first from guitarist Brandon Johnson. Well, what can I say about my friend Max Graham? Other than the fact that we shared a close bond, we shared a spiritual bond. It was something that I think only musicians can really understand, the pursuit of a sound or a vision that you have for your band, and we really shared that vision. Um, He was a great friend. He was someone that I looked up to and, and someone that made me better as a musician as well. He held me and our band and himself to incredibly high standards, which was, you know, something that is rare. And I'm often reminded of, of all the times that, that we were together when we weren't on stage as well. You know, all the crappy hotel rooms, all the, the long drives through the night. And he'd always be willing to, you know, jump behind the wheel when no one else wanted to, whether it was two o'clock in the morning or six o'clock in the morning, usually somewhere in between that window of time. You know, I'm reminded, of course, of of the early days. You know, I, I think about that quite a bit when we were first starting as a band, trying to play this this style of music that we didn't really know too much about, but that we thought that maybe we could uh, give it a go. There's enough rock bands out there. Picked up these acoustic instruments and really made something out of it. You know, Max was, he was someone who was truly at home on stage, like Michael Jackson. He always said that he felt at home on stage. And, and I'm reminded of another, you know, Minnesota hero, Kirby Puckett, in a song that was written by Pat Donahue, take us back to the way it could be again. Remind us of how even good guys can win. Show us all what it means to play ball, because we all play the game after all. So step up and tear the cover off the ball. Touch them all, Kirby Puckett. Touch them all. And that's what Max did, man. He was on stage. It was like it was like Kirby Puckett hitting a home run, if I could make a baseball metaphor. One of our favorite places to play was Bodega's Alley in Lincoln, Nebraska. And as Ryan said, the owner, good friend of ours, someone that always believed in us, loved our music, and we had some great shows there. Let the four winds blow you safely home, my friend. I will now share with you something that Kind Country banjo player Mike Heading wrote. 
I have too many musical memories to count playing with my friend and bandmate Max. From headlining First Ave with Kind Country to touring around the country, I stood next to him on stage for four years. But one of my favorite musical moments with Max was the time we played a one-off gig as the four-piece all-mandolin band, the Mandorchestra. It was Max, Jacob Jolliffe, Julian Davis, and myself, and we spent the afternoon before the show nerding out on our favorite mandolin players and tunes. Max had a way of organizing these amazing musical moments, and all you had to do was to tag along with him and you'd get to be part of all of them. His excitement and love for music was so palpable that everyone improved in his presence. I learned many musical lessons from Max, but what I'll remember most is how he carried himself in life. Present, steady in his beliefs, and always kind. Love you, buddy, and can't wait to pick with you again. Mike. Next, we will hear an interview that Nate and I did with Kind Country Fiddler, Chris Forsberg. Chris, thank you for joining us and agreeing to do this. Um, it's got to be a, a hard time and a challenging thing to talk about, but you've done a heroic job of rallying the troops around this fundraiser as well. It's been really impressive to see. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. It's been uh, been crazy, you know, kind of as expected, but to see you know, I think the number is like there's 17 or 1800 people that have donated something. And that just 100% speaks to how many people Max knew and impacted, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's such a large number. That is awesome. And, you know, it's it's not surprising. Just that guy is such a larger than life character in, in the community. And I think he really did impact everyone who met him to some degree. You know, you just like exuded this kind of like joy and just a really good dude. Yeah. And he made an impact on everyone, but also remembered every single person he met ever, it seemed like. You know, we'd pull into like DC, uh, you know, for our second time ever playing there. And we'd pull up to the venue and a couple of people would be outside and he'd call them out by name, you know, right away and ask them how they're doing and how their family is. And um, that always just blew me away how, you know, he's not just making an impact on others. He's remembering those people and the stories they told and holding on to that, you know. Sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll just let you know, like in the process of putting this together, not long after he passed, but so I I've said, I put out the word to as as many people as I kind of knew that played music with him on a regular basis. And I had Jay reach out to people too, our bandmate Jay, and stuff has been rolling in. And I, I get the pleasure of hearing all these as they come in. And there is a very common thread in the messages, in the number of messages I've received. And it resoundingly is that Max had a huge impact on everybody he was, you know, not, not just who he was close with, but even like you said, like, it's so cool to read. And man, I'm just, I can't believe how much I'm going to miss having him around, you know? Yeah, there's, yeah, there's definitely a, there's going to be a void, a gap in our community that, you know, at festivals, he was such a important character on the bonfires and yeah. Anyway, so Forsberg, I just thought of that. I know you guys hung out in the woods this weekend. I hope that was cathartic. I don't know. Was it, did you guys have a good time? It was. Yeah. You know, the, the kind of current kind country members got together at an Airbnb in Wisconsin and, you know, partly because we're still going down to Texas in a week and a half and we're going to play one set down there, but really it was just to get together. And it was, it was unbelievable. Um, just, just to be together, you know, 
a lot of laughing, a lot of crying, a lot of telling stories. And it was nice to be all together. Um, we had streamed as part of the streaming festival that, that we've been running. Um, we streamed our second half of our last, our last real set in front of people, which was at Harmony Park back in September. So to watch that all together and again, while watching it, laughing and crying and everything in between, you know, it was, it was a really great show watching it back. You know, I, I don't feel that way very often watching back at shows of ours. You know, it's easy to be a critic on, on missing your own stuff and all that, but watching that back, just the energy that was there and the excitement. And, you know, I thought we played well and, you know, Max had had a pretty strong messaging in there as well, um, you know, and it was a little eerie. There was a part in there where he kind of was talking to the crowd, just saying, you know, this was in the fall last year. And he said, this is going to get harder before it gets easier. And it's going to be a really hard winter coming up, but we all just have to hold on. And hearing that back hit a lot of different feelings, certainly in hindsight. I imagine. Yeah. Um, this is such like a touchy subject, you know, the whole mental health thing. But did you guys have any kind of inclination of like how much he was hurting or what he was going through? Or did, was this as a surprise to you guys as it was to everyone else in the community? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I knew a lot over the last few months. and I'd, you know, been talking to Max a lot. And, you know, as his family put out and released, you know, and that was part of the Star Tribune article, his new diagnosis, borderline personality disorder, was very, very recent. Okay. So, and that, him finding that out, you know, it was one of those things where he looked back and it made a lot of sense to him. But, the, you know, there was a lot of positivity that knowing what it was and knowing the work he had to put in going forward. And, he, you know, he seemed up for it. And, but that was all really recent um, for him to find that out. Certainly. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it all really, as you can imagine, last 12 months and, and then even more so the last few months, um, things really escalated. Yeah, I feel like Max had the rug pulled out from underneath him, kind of, you know, absolutely like in, in more ways than one. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and I think, um, you know, him more than anyone I know going out on the road and the, the social interactions with people and bringing joy to people on stage was a huge part of who he was. And, and yeah, to have that just taken away so suddenly and for such a long period definitely changes, changes things, especially for him. Yeah. As it's affected all of us, um, those who are, you know, maybe more vulnerable or rely more on that reciprocated energy definitely been affected. It's, it's a hard season. It's been a hard year. Um, no. I think the idea behind this is not, you know, wasn't really to focus so much on Max's passing as it was in the hardships he was going through. Although I think it's good to touch on that, but you know, I think we well, yeah. really wanted to like use this as a vehicle to celebrate Max and pay tribute. I don't know if there's anything you wanted to add to kind of this topic, Justin, or. Well, yeah. So I was just thinking that too, like this is Nate said, it. you know, like really what I want to steer you toward now is like a, mm -hmm. a celebratory tone. Yeah. I, yeah, one, one thing we, when we were reminiscing this last weekend when the Kind Country guys were together, um, you know, as you can imagine, a lot of just some stories from the road and, you know, funny Max things. Um, the one that really sticks out to me looking back on it was um, Max and I, especially and sometimes the rest of the guys, um, were known to uh, go to after parties on the road. Sure. And I think I might have picked it up from one of you guys, but oh. we called them we called them business dinners <laughs> because you have to go and woo your new clients in a new city. Uh -huh. So, you know, after all the shows, we'd get invited out somewhere and I'd say, Max, we got to go to a business dinner tonight. And he'd come along and, you know, it was a great way to meet and connect with people. And those people tended to come to the next show when we were in town. But there was this one move that Max would pull at many of these after parties 
And it would always be, you know, at some point, someone would bring a guitar into the room and they'd hand it to him and say, Max, will you play us something? Will you play us something? He'd always take it and he'd start playing this really pretty melody into this great chord progression and sing just these really heartfelt lyrics. And everyone in the room would just stop what they were doing and they were all surrounding Max. And he would play through this song and afterwards people would just go crazy. Oh, that was amazing. And then someone would always ask, oh, who was that? And Max would say, that was Nickelback. (laughs) (laughs) And we called it Nickelback catfishing. And it worked every single time um, to the point where I always knew what was coming. And it was really fun for me to sit there and watch this and, you know, see the kind of sheepish smiles or embarrassment afterwards that people, uh, when they found out it was a Nickelback song. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. What a good practical joke. Yeah. Music yeah. practical joker. He was, and, and, you know, talking about on the road, um, Max had a lot of these long-term slow-play jokes. And one of them was always that he just always was going to sleep next to Chris Whitrock, our drummer. Yeah. But he tried to play it super subtle. So, like, whenever we check in the hotel rooms, he just kind of slowly follow Chris to whichever room he went into. And then, you know, would always lay down next to him. And it took like a couple of years for us to catch on that Max was always sleeping with Chris Whitrock. And, uh, you know, it's, it became just this slow moving joke where Chris would say, oh, I think I'm going to head to this room. Max would be like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, yeah, the, the after show hotel room dynamic is always an interesting thing. I'm glad that, that he found an avenue to uh, bring, bring in a long term joke with that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. A couple things, you know, we talked to Chuck and Joe uh, last week and they talked about, you know, what band life was like with Max, maybe what, what you kind of feel like his, his legacy is that the rest of us are, are going to, you know, carry the torch of going forward, you know, kind of how as musicians in a community, we're going to be able to heal from this while celebrating Max. We're not going to forget about him. That's for sure. Like he made too big of an impact. It's going to be interesting to discover how we're all going to be carrying him forward with us, you know? Yeah, you know, I I think a big part in my mind, yeah, obviously there's a lot of facets there, but a big part in my mind is the inclusivity and how inviting he was, how much he wanted to, you know, people he believed in as musicians, he really wanted to elevate them. Um, He demanded a lot from them, as one should in that place. And we'd go on the road. He would ask, seemed like anyone and everyone to sit in with us. And, and it was always me having to put the reins on that a little bit, like, let's keep it the maybe nine people on stage tonight. <laughs> but, you know, and he, but he wanted to put these people out there that he believed in as musicians. Even locally here, you know, his whole Max Graham and the Fam band was about him elevating, you know, some local people, you know, Kevin Folk and John Sullivan are two people that he deeply believes in as, as musicians and believes that needs to be heard. And he was all about just making a format to elevate them. You know, when I think about it, I want to try to carry some of that on a little bit is just making a platform for talented people that maybe need, you know, yeah. need a, a little a little push occasionally to, to get out there because they need to be heard. Well, right. And the Chauvin trial starts today. And then you talk about how Max was working very hard on bridging genre gaps and reaching out to the hip hop community and the folks in this community who, who he felt needed to be heard as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, um, his focus on that really, he's always focused on inclusivity in that way and underrepresented parts, in our, especially in our scene. Yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously after 
the George Floyd incident, you know, last last May, that became, you know, his primary focus since then. And he was he was on the front lines you know, all summer. Yeah. And, you know, it's too bad because, well, one thing that's too bad is that Max and I and our new manager had a plan for our, all of our shows going forward this year and, and moving forward um, to have a real focus on promoting underrepresented people you know, as far as who we're playing shows with, and we were putting together um, a lot of stuff around that. So that became a real, real primary thing and something where it was at the forefront of what we were doing as a band going forward. Yeah, I'm going to miss that leadership. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we can ever have too many people who have that focus of collaboration and working together to lift each other up in the music industry, in the arts, there's so much cutthroat and competition. And I, I just, I never felt that for Max. I always felt this, you know, all in, let's arm in arm, jump in this shit together, you know? And yeah. I feel like that was one thing that he really helped influence among our community that I'm going to definitely try to carry forward with more energy than I have in the past. Yeah. And through Blue Ox too, like that's what we really, we were inspired, you know, in the past year, start focusing on that as well. And, and Max pushed us even further. When you talk about him being demanding for good purpose, that I've, I felt that from him in that regard too in, in addressing you know diversity at blue ox and and having, uh you know just broadening our scope you know I'm, I'm excited to do that yeah and i think i i picked up from him certainly the idea of you know it, it's going to be uncomfortable to certain buyers when we're booking stuff we're going to have to have uncomfortable conversations but that's you know if, if we're worried about our comfort then we really have our priorities in the wrong place right um so it's about having those hard conversations you know he was out there you know calling out a lot and that you know he was full force that was how he was going to go about it and yeah yeah but he backed it up too you know absolutely you yeah, know, it's coming from the right place. You know, it, yeah. was, it was a hard message, but it, it right. had uh, the necessary purpose. We totally had a great like 20 minute conversation about it all, you know, and I, I just wanted to approach it in a productive way, you know, like, well, what do you got? You know, what do you what do you what do you suggest? And he just, you know, he was full of great ideas, yeah. you know, <laughs> this is yeah, this is great. OK, you know, in the end it was just entirely productive and positive. And I was like, so heartened by it all. And then, you know, when he passed, that was, you know, one of the first things I thought about was, was that I was like, man, we're going to miss him as, as leading that yeah. cause, you know? Yeah. We right all on, have to, you know? we all have to carry it a little bit. Certainly. I'm still digesting it. Honestly, like it's not quite as real for me since I don't have, I'm not with you guys, you know, I can't, oh, uh, it's going to, it's so going to hit hard when I'm back there for sure. I'm so glad I came to your deck party. Too. Yeah, yeah. I've found that it's being around people who I know Max loved and who I know loved Max um, has been helpful in, you know, processing my grief. And, you know, it's I've, it's been kind of my method to, you know, dive into the streaming festival or dive into working on the GoFundMe and other stuff almost has been an escape from processing, right? But it's important, you know, personally for me that I, you know, re-grief is kind of how I put it a lot because yeah. um, I, I can't keep pushing it off, but it, you know, it's hard not to. So then, you know, we watched that show from Harmony Park on, you know, a few days ago and watching that brings it too because he just catch my eye. You know, I've been on stage with him. I've probably played 500 plus shows with him and, but, you yeah. know, and he's, just really talented obviously 
but he would just catch my eye and I knew exactly which run, which harmonic run we were going to jump into together. So just seeing that and like really processing that that's not going to happen ever again has been really tough beyond all the personal stuff, just musically. It's, you know, it's a kind of chemistry you guys know that that is only gets built through hours on stage together and time together. And yeah, it's not something that'll be that'll be recreated, certainly. And it's just it's it's tough. Yeah, it's heartbreaking, man. Yeah, the kind of ESP you develop with people on stage in the moment is you can't duplicate that. It just has to build organically. And he was such a fun dude to jam with, man. Really had a lot of a lot of licks, a lot of ideas, you know, that you can build from. He he did, and you know, Max and I connected well. I could execute just about anything, but I didn't always, you know, have the ideas on whether it's coming up with melodies or this or that. Um, and he, he knew that about me, but he he knew I could execute anything. So he he would teach me a melody part to play with him, or teach me a harmony part. He would work around where my talents were, certainly in building out what we did together. And Nate, when I think of you and Max playing, I just think always of that one fiddle tune that you guys would play in every green room when we were together. And on stage, I think a few times um, where you guys said that fast harmony driven fiddle tune. I think the Fisher's Hornpipe, you guys would always just take okay. that right away within, I feel like 10 minutes of uh, oh, he, yeah, joining he had together. the harmony part yeah. on that. Yep. <laughs> So how did you guys, how did you meet Max? And what, how did, how did Kind Country kind of come together? Yeah, so um, Kind Country started out as a, as a trio with Max and Mitch and Brandon Johnson um, back in 2012. Yeah. Um, the first time I met him or met them, um, they were, it was, they'd just become a band and they were opening for my band Boys in the Barrels down in Mankato. So, you know, I met him yeah. in passing then, but it wasn't until a couple of years later as the boys in the barrels were winding down, I come to find out later he he saw that we were winding down and immediately hit me up to play with Kind Country for their self-titled CD release in 2014. So it was it was really then and playing that show where I just thought, wow, this kid is a star. He's a, a superstar. You know, his his technical ability, but his stage presence and his what he puts out there. So from that point forward, I was just like, I need to keep playing with this kid. You know, it was, again, it was right when my last band was kind of winding down playing shows. So it went from me sitting in to one show to them asking me to come to Lutzen the next weekend. And then before we knew it, I was playing with them full time. And they handed me all the all the management side of things as well. And yeah, I mean, it's I've always when I found a talent like Max, I just I just want to support them. And, you know, I don't really want to lift them up. It, you know, it was always kind of my long-term plan was, and I, we were talking about this this weekend with the other guys, but, you know, I, I thought that Max was on his way to being, you know, nationally, you know, playing in front of big crowds all across the country or world for that matter. And I, you know, I always took it as part of my job to make that happen um, and to tour around and do the hard touring to get his name out there as much as in, as the band's name. Cause I figured, you know, if not with kind country, he was going to get called up to the big leagues soon enough. And right. I, I kind of took it as a responsibility to make sure that happened. Yeah. Well, he was on his way, man. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. It's not hard to imagine that, you know, even sooner than later. And good on you for taking that attitude too. That's, that's kind of you. Yeah. Just not, not quite in time. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. One thing that I had posted on Facebook, you know, a few days after this happened was, um, you know, talking about 
how much his approval mattered to me as a musician on stage with him. So I talked about, you know, we could be at First Ave in front of a packed house. After I played a solo, I would immediately look to Max and just hoping that he gave me that kind of sly grin and a nod or even a laugh or a yell telling me, good job, Chris, on that solo. And, and it was almost subconscious at a point where I just always wanted his approval on what I was playing. And it was funny, after I posted that, um, I heard the same from a lot of bands all over the country. Uh, you know, Max Davies from The Kitchen Dwellers said this, he said, same thing for me. Anytime Max was playing with us, um, I just was seeking his approval constantly. <laughs> but, you know, I think that speaks to the fact that, you know, I and many others just looked up to him and looked up to his musicianship. That approval from him was was the ultimate attaboy and ultimate approval that um, you could get. Yep, there's that legacy is definitely going to continue. You know, like we're going to be thinking of Max in in every jam going forward. Every solo, you know, is going to have an injection of energy. Hopefully, that uh, we're all we're all going to be carrying his spirit forward. Absolutely. Uh, is there anything you want to add about? I mean, you're really the force behind this GoFundMe. Is there anything you want to say? I mean, this is going to be something like it's going to continue. It's not just with the streaming festival, but this is something that is going to remain active for people to donate into the future. Or how does how is that going to work? Yeah, we'll plan for helpthegrams.com to, you know, link to this GoFundMe for going forward for a long time. And I know that we've been talking about a lot of different ideas, um, but it's kind of my goal to continue raising money for his family going forward. And we're going to do this through through events. I know his family right now is planning this summer to throw a festival out at their family farm, which was always Max's dream for him. And that's going to become an annual thing. And I've been talking with some bands, you guys included, about the idea of having a lot of different bands that he loved and respected each recording one of his songs and, you know, maybe yeah. putting that out on a compilation album, I think would be super cool. All benefiting his family and, you know, down the line, if we can, you know, get college accounts, 529 plans started for his kids. For me, in, in moments like this, you know, I just need to think about what, where can we make an impact and where would he want us to make an impact and doing everything we can for, for Hannah and the kids is one thing where we can make a true impact that he, that's more important than to him than anything else could be. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely put all the links and encourage people to continue visiting and donating when possible. Okay. Well, we really appreciate you doing this, Chris. I know this is a challenging time and Sorry for the circumstances to uh, have this conversation, but thanks for joining us. Much love. See you guys. This is Harrison Oak, and I wanted to share a couple of stories and memories about my friend Max Graham. I met Max shortly after Kind Country formed. 
Uh, I had started a band up in Duluth, Tin Can Gin, around the same time. Kind Country and Tin Can Gin paired up at shows around the state and eventually ran into each other at festivals around the Midwest. I remember watching some early iterations of Kind Country and being really impressed with their musical abilities and the energy that spilled from Max uh, and, and his songwriting. A memory that I, I'll never forget and will always cherish was in 2019 at the Northwest String Summit in Oregon. I was living in Portland at the time and Max reached out to me to see if I was interested in sitting in with Kind Country for a set at the festival. Uh, I most definitely was and agreed to join him. You know, at the time, Kind Country was one of my favorite bands, and I listened to their albums on the regular. So I was really, really excited to get to play songs with them, um, especially at a festival that I really, really loved. I not only got to play one set with Kind Country, but ended up playing all of their festival slots with them. Uh, And there were definitely some songs that I knew, but there were probably more that I didn't. And Max had a great way of exuding confidence in those that he played with. Um, And he definitely made me feel like I could do and play anything that weekend, uh, even, you know, if I didn't really know what was going on. Prior to the festival starting, too, I had called Max and told him I'd bring him a tent uh, and a sleeping bag for the weekend and he could camp out with us rather than staying at their hotel. And we ended up spending that whole weekend picking music and catching up. And uh, I remember chatting with him about my desire to move back to Minnesota and how excited he was to hear that. You know, he reassured me that there was plenty of music waiting back for me in Minnesota. And and he really made me excited to rejoin the music community that I had left behind years earlier. Uh, Another memory I won't forget was from the summer of 2020. Uh, Max was coming up to play the Ripple Patio in Duluth with a rock band from Minneapolis that he had assembled. Uh, The forecast that day called for a 100% chance of rain and thunderstorms, and the band ended up bailing. Um, But Max came up anyways and asked me if I wanted to do a duo set with him. Of course, I agreed and and met him down at the Ripple, and it hadn't started to rain. We kind of put off the show for a little bit, um, but it hadn't started to rain, and it almost looked like the storm was going to miss us. So we decided to set up... Uh, the PA and start the show and literally not 30 minutes into our set uh, it started pouring rain Uh, and we were mid-song and Max the true showman that he was didn't end the song no we kept (laughs) ripping until a proper end could be had Uh, we grabbed our our gear after we finished that song and booked it underneath uh, the single pop-up tent in the parking lot soaking wet laughing our asses off with some of the bar patrons. And uh, the next day, we dried off our gear and um, went to Earthrider Brewing across the bridge to play the inaugural Gitchy Grass Festival. And Max ended up being the impromptu artist at large and uh, shredded everybody's faces off that day. It was truly spectacular. Shortly after that weekend... You know, I had the opportunity to join Kind Country as their full-time banjo player. And, you know, although the world was weird and the pandemic was fresh on everybody's mind, I got to play some truly amazing music with some truly amazing people. I remember really trying to be mindful of each show and uh, thinking how lucky we were to be making music together and how lucky I was to join such a talented cast of musicians 
I'm just so glad those moments remain vivid in my mind because now they mean so much more. You and I tangled up beneath the summer stars Next, we will hear from Rachel Calvert and Kyle Shelstead of the Minneapolis Winona band Barbaro. Max joined them on a number of occasions and was pretty close with them. Max was a part of their Blue Ribbon First Place Prize winning performance at the Minnesota State Fair Bluegrass Band Competition as well. So let's hear from them. I think about Max as a musician um, in kind of like two different modes. And one of which is obviously when he's in full performance mode and being on stage with him and playing along with him is one of the greatest thrills. I think a lot of people in the Midwest um, music scene really have been able to do. And it's amazing when he starts um, a solo, he really could just shape it out forever and it would build and build and build um, everyone anticipation just getting bigger and bigger to see what he would do next never getting boring you always want to hear more and just true explosions of joy and talent and that was what made him such a joy to watch and such a joy to play with just pure excitement and him just being present with himself and present with the music around him What's interesting to me is that's kind of complemented by some of my more informal memories of playing music with him. Maybe just hanging out at someone's house or during practice, the extreme gentleness and vulnerability that he could also bring to music. And um, I have a memory of me and him at our friend Heather's house. And I think we were playing just for fun. I think we were playing David Rawlings' um, song, Ruby, just harmonizing with each other and singing. And it was just, you know, it was probably four o'clock in the morning. And it was just one of the most, like, beautiful memories I have is just really enjoying singing and playing with each other in such a laid back and quiet, tender way. And the fact that he had the complexity to do both, um, I think speaks volumes to him as a friend and him as a man. And I'm really gonna miss being his friend and I'm gonna miss playing music with him. Okay, one other memory I wanna share um, that I think about all the time with Max is I think we were at Big Turn Music Fest. I might be conflating a couple different events, but this is how my memory goes. It was after everyone had played and all the artists were in one hotel and everyone was going insane. People were skinny dipping in the pool and running around having fun. And I was feeling so anxious because I had just broken up with this guy who was there and had a lot of friends there. And it wasn't that he was bad. He was a really sweet person, but I just felt really awkward. And like, I didn't want to run into him or his friends or, you know, have to explain anything or I wasn't sure how to act. And I just felt really weird. I ran into Max and I was with my friend Kelly um, from the Gentleman's Anti-Temperance League. And she has one of the most gorgeous voices I've ever heard. And we ended up just kind of like 
chilling away from all the craziness and played like Fleetwood Mac songs until I don't know God knows when but I was so touched that I don't know Max is usually so extroverted and you know there were friends coming in and out but for the most part we just kind of hunkered down and like kept the music going I I just remember the intense relief to have his friendship and Kelly's friendship in that moment and the fact that we were able to just play some really cheesy stuff that we love and ended up instead of being a disaster of a night for me it ended up being one of my favorite memories um, musically so I just wanted to share that as well this is Kyle Shellstan uh, with the band Barbaro. It's really hard hard to explain the impact Max Graham had personally, but then also as a band and, and how a lot of our growth and kind of where we're at now is a, a direct result of, of him. Um, I remember meeting him uh, when I just moved to town, maybe 2017 or so. Um, I met him at the 331. I think he was either playing or hanging out um and afterwards we went over to to my place you know after bar close and um basically picked tunes until the sun rose um my favorite part about the story is i was so far in the tank that i could hardly play and it had been a couple of years since i had you know played music but that didn't seem to bother max any i was worried that after that uh jam session i'd you know never hear from him again but sure enough uh he was you know just one of those people that was always down to play music so um, Isaac and I kind of got him in the band when he could. You know, he has Kind Country going on and was super busy. But um, as we all know, Max would take any opportunity to play, whether for a couple beers or 150 bucks. So um, he had introduced us to Rachel Calvert, who, you know, plays fiddle with us now. You know, ever since then, he's he was a huge supporter. I think the impact that, you know, Max has had on this music community is really hard to put into words or to... I guess the way I always put it is I've had a lot of friends um, from around the country that have reached out to me that, you know, had maybe met Max briefly after a show, maybe didn't even get a chance to meet him, but just got to see him perform once. And how they all say the same thing is that, you know, his energy was infectious. He was an incredible talent. And you can tell that what he was doing, he was completely in love with. And he kind of spread that joy you know, not only through his musicianship, but I mean, through hangs after. Um, he would he would chat with folks. He would get to know them. He would he was just an all around kind dude. I miss him dearly. All the love to him and his family. I think it's been crazy to see how Help the Grams has gone about. I mean, we all know the impact that Max had on our lives, and um, this is that's just like one other way to see it. And it's pretty freaking amazing um, the way this community respects him um, cares for him and you know now cares for his for his family and wants to take care of them thanks for putting together a show about max we're gonna keep celebrating his life trying to live the love that he shared love to you all and you know thanks for including us my mind snaps back to you whether royal navy sky powder it's all blue you stood out front Embracing your stature, in size and spirit, you led, my friend, but what a tragic end. Disbelief, but for you, relief? I shake in head and soul, here slump-necked, just stumped, staring right through a teary eye of blue. Wounded we bleed, and the denial won't seed. Dust explodes and pain emits. Join the cosmos. 
Light leaves darkness in its wake. You shone, and now you're gone. Up and vanished, without a chance. Well, she says she's been looking down everywhere she goes. And she says she's been kicked around by everyone she knows. And I said, hey, why do you hang around this town? And she said that she didn't know. And I said, look, here's the deal. Take my hands. This is real. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong with your mind Oh, you say you got it rough You talk like you're so tough But right through your bluff I can see You say you lost a friend Your broken heart it cannot mend Not him, but it can't pretend To be, to be Everywhere you go And you say that you've been Treated bad by everyone you know And I said, well, what about those good times we've had And you said that you didn't know And I said, up, oh, you can't give You got so much life to live You are young You are young, you've got time now we've heard a lot about Max's character and his musical ability and 
his knack for creating great moments and for making people feel included and welcome. And the next person we're going to hear from is somebody that Max has known for a long time and collaborated with a lot. And I was excited to be introduced to him through Max. And I likely wouldn't know much about him had it not been for Max. And I'm really thankful for that. Max's fierce inclusivity and desire to break down barriers and hold people up to higher standards in all realms. And he lived true to it. Brandon Pulfus is the next contributor. And he's got so many great things to say and he says them so well. I want to thank him for his contribution. And I highly recommend you all check him out. His, his music is amazing. And I'm so thrilled to know who he is. And I have Max Graham to thank for that. So check it out. Here's Brandon Pulfus talking about Max. Hey, what's up? This is Brandon Pulfus. Just tapping in to say a couple words about my friend Max Graham. Rest in peace. Uh, live forever to us, my boy. We got you down here, man. We're going to miss you big time. Straight up. Uh, it's hard to kind of like say anything that you know hasn't already been said. I feel like any positive thing I got to say about my man Max was just gonna be a cliche because he touched so many people. You know, he was he was a guy who was a he was you know a son like S U N like provided so much warmth and support and life to so many different people. Everybody he came across like my man was great. He was a king, like damn near a literal king. I mean, my man garnered love from thousands of people across the globe you know like everybody he knew fell in love instantly and you know and, and they had they all had nothing but respect for him too because because max was a guy who i don't know he was just great even outside of being a musician which obviously the man is <laughs> he's definitely going to be remembered as one of the greatest musicians to come out of minnesota if you ask me and if he's not i'm going to do my damn best to make sure that's the case but I mean, the talent, the drive, the natural ability. Well, my man had a gift, and he had a gift that he, he, you know, he could bring out things that people didn't even know resided inside of them, myself included. You know, Max was a leader. He was uh, a good teacher, you know, family man, you know, great pops, great dad, you know, just a good dude. And, you know, back to the King thing. I mean, Max was, when all the riots were going down in such in Minneapolis, Max was out there on the front lines. He didn't have to be there. You know, he didn't have to be there. But he spent so much time using his privilege for a better cause. You know, I saw him getting in essay battles on Facebook with people he's probably known for you know years and years you know just calling everybody out on their privilege and talking about everybody needs to do better setting up fundraisers just you know donating all the proceeds to the floyd family i mean i could go on for days max was the fucking man oh go miss him man we miss him big time um you know max <laughs> you know to test to how great he is again i mean i I've been rapping for 17 years, you know, battle rapping, freestyle, making music, and I'm very good at what I do. I have been for a long time. The point is, I met Max back in 2009, 2010, and, you know, he was back playing instruments and playing keys, and he was singing and stuff, but he was experimenting with freestyling. So that's how I met him. We just went through the freestyling together, and he was one of very few people who could keep up with me. That's That was my thing, like rapping. So I was really, you know, 
impressed back then. I was like, oh shit, this is this dude who doesn't even rap is he can freestyle like this, this is lit. So we hung out, made some music, and um, did some shows together and stuff. And one day we ended up in a freestyle battle together. We we're on opposite sides of the tournament. I think we both beat four people, and then we ended up going against each other. Now, mind you, at this point, I had been rapping for about 10 years, you know, a long time. And I'm very, again, like I, not to, you know, <laughs> you know, but I'm just, I'm really good at what I do. And the reason I'm bringing this up is Max Graham is the only person who has ever beat me in a freestyle battle. And I've been in probably over 50 since I started rapping. You know, so like all that to say, who can pick up something that they don't even specialize in and, you know, outperform somebody who has been, you know, who who, who specializes in rap. It's just it's insane. You know, it just all goes to just to, to attest to that kinghood of him, you know, a kingliness. He's great. You know, Max, he had popped off with Kind Country and was doing his own thing with the fam. And, you know, I'd always been watching him from afar while I was doing my thing and, you know, always tapped in on occasion here and there. And he'd do the same, you know, no matter. And he knows so many people. So, like, the fact that he would go out of his way to just tap in, just like, it just meant a lot. Uh, so we started working together recently on a project. Uh, it was all Max's idea. He uh, brought his band members from the Max Graham and the Fam, uh, you know, John Sullivan, uh, Elliot W., uh, Flutessa, uh, Woods, Ruth, like uh, a bunch of people, like great, you know, great musicians, and uh, put us all on the stage, and we didn't have any plan at all. Uh, for this George Floyd fundraiser show that he threw at Dayblock Brewing. And we got up there, a bunch of strangers outside of, of course, him and the fam. He knew everybody, but we had all never played together. But Max brought us up there. We were all kind of nervous. And then Max was like, hey, y'all just got to just play. That's it. Don't overthink it. And it was weird. Like a calming fell over the entire stage. And there was about... <sighs> like 12 of us 13 of us on stage you know we had uh joe scarpolino we had joe baron up there well you know we were deep and he just like told us all basically hey it's gonna be okay even though you guys are all complete strangers you're all great musicians i've got faith in you we're gonna rock it and we played for an hour and a half of completely improvised music and blew that shit out of the water all under his leadership and tutelage and you know, it was it was real important because, you know, it was in the middle of the pandemic. You know, no one had done any shows for, at that point, a whole year, damn near anyway. You know, he brought us up there on stage. We got to raise money for a great cause, and, and we all had a blast. And it brought, like, it gave us all life, you know, and we all got to thinking, and Max had the idea of putting an album together and he got all these musicians together and, you know, tapped into all of his connections and put us all in the same room because he believed in us and he believed in what we, we thought we had something big that we could do. And, you know, we all were all for it, you know, and it just, it sucks to see him go, you know, but um, we know he fought hard. He fought as long as he could and he did everything he could do before he had to go. I think anybody who happens to hear this, you know, whoever knew Max personally, my advice, you know, what I've been kind of doing to help cope a bit with the loss is, like, every time I touch a stage, I try to, you know, I think about Max, you know, and I want to do him justice every chance I get, every opportunity I get, and that's what Max would want. He would want us all to be great, and... <laughs> for the next I know, he'd probably want us to be a little sad. <laughs> he would definitely want us to be a little sad. <laughs> But most important thing he would want from us is to, to just be strong, you know, and and carry his spirit on 
through us, through our performances, and through our acts of justice, service, and music. So, I don't know. Um, tough loss. Very hard stuff. So, um, I don't know. What else is there to say? We lost the king. We're going to miss him. Uh, Max Graham forever. You live through me, my boy. Be easy, man. I hope you're in a better spot. Love you. Next, we're going to hear from Olivia Quintanilla. Olivia plays in various bands around town and is one of the best and busiest musicians that I know. She's joined us on stage a number of times, and we love having her. And She played with Max and Iron Star, among other projects, including the fam. But I reached out to her because I knew that she was really close with Max, and I love what she has to say. So let's hear from Olivia. Uh, the first time I met Max was actually outside of the woodshed at Harmony Park uh, after a very small festival called Geneva Lake Jam. I had still been very early on in kind of the jam scene and and honestly just starting to explore improv and non-classical stuff after college, way before Useful Jenkins. And he was playing bass. Uh, I actually had no idea that Max even played mandolin until a couple months later when we met again just because he was so damn good at the bass. But he opened up the circle for me. And for someone obviously playing a non-traditional instrument of a cello, not knowing anyone at all, he opened up the circle, let me in to play and mess around. And I think uh, you'll find a lot of stories like that, that he was just always so welcoming and open. I ended up playing with him in Blasmala with Carrie Joy and witnessed him just really hitting hard with his responsibilities as a new father. This was right when Arlo was born. You know, he really was waking up early, doing the baby stuff, doing the dad stuff. And then as soon as they're at bed, instead of crashing himself, he'd run out with his mandolin and go out to a jam, come out and hang. He always never liked to disappoint people either. You know, he always had a lot on his plate, a lot going on, a lot of bands, a lot of rehearsals running to and from, and he never liked disappointing his friends or anyone like that. I love how much he made me laugh. I loved all of our times when Burberry's and Ironstar, he's such a jokester. He had all these silly different characters and voices, just just goofing off. He was just such a lovable, uh, funny guy like that, and I really do feel like he he's um, like a brother to me. There were so many times that he'd help me through hard times in life. If you hung out with him one-on-one -on -one during a problem, he'd make you feel better. He always did. 
and will still continue to do so. There's a lot of things that have continued to remind me of our time together. The things that I've learned from him, even he even helped inspire me to sing more and how to sing more. You know, as a classical cellist, there's just not, I didn't have a lot of training in my voice, but I have a good enough ear to know that sucks. <laughs> you know, and him being a choir kid growing up, he had a lot of different tricks up his sleeve. I'm happy I've been able to get to know his kids as each of them were born and, and, and felt very honored to be, um, you know, welcomed into that home. He's always a pleasure to have around and to play with. I hope there's a few clips in there that you can use. This next portion of the episode is sort of devoted to Max's playfulness and sense of humor. He was often on display backstage and late night. Max had a great sense of humor, and it was always so good to look over and see those pearly whites smiling back at you or him passing a mischievous grin across the fire to a friend. These next stories come to us from Heather Kerfeld, Bobby Patrick, and Nate Case. Heather is a great friend in the music scene. She had a close, fun bond with Max, and she tells a great story about the beginning of the pandemic. After Heather, we're going to hear from one of Max's fellow Burbillies, Bobby Patrick. Bobby tells a wonderful story that has become legendary at Blue Ox about a Burbilly set involving Del McCurry. And lastly, in this little portion, we're going to hear from our friend Nate Case. He shares a story about another Burbilly set back at Boats and Bluegrass a few years ago. But let's pick it up with Heather first. This is actually the second story she submitted. The first one was another account of the now infamous Nickelback catfishing that Max was prone to do at picking circles, campfires, and late night jams. But as I said before, this is a great story about Max's generosity and humor. So let's hear from Heather. I posted a meme the beginning of the pandemic. And it's a picture of an army guy talking on walkie-talkie and he's speaking in code. So he says, Sierra, Echo, November, Delta, Whiskey, Echo, Echo, Delta. So that spells S-E-N-D-W-E-E-D. And I shared it as a joke, but in my caption, um, I wrote, it was the one necessity I didn't stock up on for the apocalypse, but don't worry, I'll survive. Didn't really expect anybody to take me seriously, but a couple days later, Max called me and asked if I was home, and I said, of course, I'm home, we're in quarantine, um, and he told me to come outside in five minutes. He was going to stop by quick, so he comes rolling up in the kind country van with the trailer attached. We chat through the window for a few minutes, and then he tells me to hold out my hand. He puts a big handful of loose buds in my bare hand, no bag or anything. And I was laughing and confused and asked, what is this for? And he said that he saw my post and couldn't stand the idea of me sitting at home with nothing to smoke throughout the pandemic. Um, I laughed hysterically and thanked him profusely. I offered cash, but he wouldn't take it because he said it was a gift, which was just proof of his very generous nature. He, I literally saw him give somebody the shirt off of his back once. 
he was wearing a hat and I of bluegrass in the bottoms and I said I liked it and he gave it to me and he wouldn't take it back like this is the kind of guy that Max was I told him that he was like the Santa Claus of ganja (laughs) we chatted for a while longer and he kept on rolling down the dusty trail this is one of the many stories that roll through my mind when I think of Max he was one of the kindest funniest generous people I've ever known in my life my life is exponentially better for having him as my friend and I will live out his message of kindness for the rest of my days Plus, I got good and ripped from his little gift a bunch of times. I might even still have some left because I don't really smoke anymore since COVID ruined my lungs about a year ago, too. I might have to do a little ceremonial toke session later in his honor, though. Max is forever missed. Max had such a great sense of humor and was a constant source of entertainment in every sense of the word. He was one of my OG co-shenanigating party rascals, and I will cherish these memories for the rest of my life. So this is the first time the Bear Billies played Blue Ox, and one of my favorite Max stories of all time, playing right before Del McCurry, and uh, we were super enthused about it. It was such an awesome experience. Max uh, was ready to roll, and again, his stage persona was Dick Scissors. So we uh, got into it. We were getting all ready to sound check. We did everything. We were ready to roll, and it looked like Del McCurry was done on the stage right next to us. And it didn't seem like he was going to go on for an encore. So uh, we, got the, we got the call to say, hey, go forward. You know, we got about two minutes into Sweet Child of Mine. And Dell came back on for an encore. We had to cut it off. That's fine. We're all good with that. But when we got backstage, uh, Max, a.k.a. Dick Scissors, told us all, uh, listen, guys, Dell's a bluegrass legend. I don't want anybody doing any banter or talking shit about Dell. He's a legend, all right? And we all agree, we're like, yeah, that's fine, obviously. We, we never do that. As uh, Dell finishes the set, we get back up there, and uh, Max, okay, Dick Scissors at the time, says, I'd like to thank our opener, Dale McHenry. <laughs> As you can imagine, our surprise, and uh, <laughs> we always thought it was a funny story. But really, what makes it good is that I heard, uh, I heard through the grapevine that uh, this got back to Dell, and as Dell was getting escorted back to his uh, his RV, he said, "Hey, you know, I heard them boys into halfway into Sweet Child of Mine. I think I just damn near cut them off." And uh, who was ever with him said. Uh, yeah, you know, they called you Dale McHenry and said thanks for opening. And Dell said, that's a hoot.
Hey, my name is Nate Case. I play with the band The Lowland Lakers out of Minneapolis and also a band called Dirty Horse out of Duluth. I met Max Graham in 2014. We were working on an album from Bobby Patrick, recording it at my house in Northeast Minneapolis, and Max came over to do some mandolin. But a more interesting story is the time that Max and I played a gig together with his band, The Burbillies. Bobby Patrick was there as well, of course. Jay Lenz from Pertnier Sandstone and I happened to sit in with the Burbillies at Boats and Bluegrass in 2019. Uh, Jay, his Burbilly name is Pertnier Hasselhoff. He did a rendition of David Hasselhoff's Looking for Freedom, where he bust through a, uh, a makeshift Berlin Wall that was set up on stage. And then I came out afterwards as Jukebox Zero. And we did a couple tunes. We sang the Cheers theme song and segued that into Night Moves by Bob Seger, which as the song went on, it drug on and all of a sudden the PA went off. And so we had to stand in front of the speakers and we're chanting Night Moves, which kind of morphed into nice boobs. And all of a sudden I looked down and there's a, there's a human head between my legs and Max looks up for, at me from between my legs and goes, you're going up. And I was like, okay. He put me on his shoulders and lifted me up like I was seven years old again. Um, I'm not a small guy. Anyone who knows me, I'm about 250 pounds, six foot one, slightly smaller than Max. And he hoisted me up on his shoulders like I was a child. And it was incredible. I sat on top of Max's shoulders and I flashed the crowd my nice boobs and everyone went wild and it was the talk of the weekend and um, yeah, nobody else could have done that. Nobody else would have done that. Nobody else would have thought of that. Nobody else had the strength or the uh, imagination to pull something off that, that legendary and uh, yeah, that was Max. That's what he did. He was an absolute legend.
The last portion of our podcast will be an interview with Joe Scarpolino and Chuck Bokey. Joe played with Max in Iron Star and tour managed for Kind Country and was a frequent collaborator with Max. Chuck was a fellow Burbilly and played with Max in other side projects. We caught up with them while they were recording tunes in the woods of Wisconsin. Both of these guys knew Max really well and it was great to catch up with them. Here's Chuck and Joe. Great to have you guys on the line, although we're extremely sorry for the circumstances that are bringing us together. You guys, of course, spent a great amount of time with Max and uh, we're, we're you know, bandmates and close friends. And so we're really happy to you know, get your perspective, your memories. Chuck, maybe you can talk about since you were there to witness and be a part of Max's very first tour, maybe you can give us just kind of a little bit of a, a background on you know, what it was like down in Nashville when you went out with the Burbillies. <laughs> uh, you know, just saying that we uh, the Burberries went to Nashville is kind of a is an ironic thing in and of itself. We, uh, yeah, I had lived in Minneapolis for probably about a year, and the idea was to take our bluegrass tribute to '80s hair metal satire band down to Nashville and, and see how it would land. And this was right around the time that Max was kind of like starting to play with us. We were a band before that, uh, and full disclosure, we we were bad, so bad. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a good thing. Like, some embarrassing memories. I was there for the first few shows, and it was. I mean, <laughs> anyway, anyway. So we had a ways to go, and you know, adding Annie Sweaty Leather is her stage name, but adding Annie and Max really kind of put us into a, a much more professional light, but. It all started going to Nashville, and uh, I could tell stories about that trip for hours. Uh, there was a lot of monumental things that happened, but I think what is most characteristic of Max to tie into the theme was the end of the trip. I was driving uh, the tour van back up to Minnesota. Uh, we were going to do snowball the next day up at Lutzen, and the fuel pump blew, and so I had to cross like five lanes of traffic, park on the on-ramp. We had to call a tow truck. Long story short, we end up at this garage in the middle of nowhere, just about an hour, hour and a half north of Nashville. We walk into the garage and they're playing the Burbillies set. You know, it's like this garage in the middle of kind of nowhere. Uh, they're playing like half the songs on our, on our playlist at the time because it's just 80s hair metal. And uh, we ordered the part like with just enough time left. And I called Max and I was like, Max, you know, this happened. We're kind of like SOL, and he dropped everything he was doing and drove an hour and a half to hang out with us while our van got fixed. And, you know, he didn't need to do that. Uh, we got our thing fixed in time, and, and he was able to, to just kind of be there for us. And because we had just started like a new friendship, and in doing that, that's when he told us this was his, that was his first tour. Like that was his first experience with people on the road. And, and so I guess right away from the beginning, uh, while incredibly talented, we were able to identify that, that he was just kind. He was just a, a very genuine, nice person. I think that reflected into a lot of different areas of his life. Sure. It was a great time. Yeah, that um, seems very characteristic of him. Just, just what I know of him, you know, willing to go out of his way to – show support just to add 
his energy to the collective vibe that's happening. It's a great story. Yeah. We were staying at his parents' house, and it was before him and Hannah had any kids, and it was a long time ago. I was going to say, that's a long time ago. Yeah. You know, that was like seven, eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah, you connect with someone like that right away and, and uh, can only go up. Yeah. Can only go up from there. Yeah, he really had that spirit, didn't he? He, he was – always just such a great cheerleader and just such a good friend to have around you know he really lifted you up and he did he literally did. and figuratively yeah, yeah. right <laughs> he was large yeah, he was large i guess one one other thing that i can share is max was triple booked every day of his life yeah he literally wanted to do everything with everybody and would have done everything with everyone uh, but there's just not enough time in the day and so, you know, it happened in music, it would happen in just like personal engagements and it's nothing wrong, but in doing that, he, he gave a piece of himself away at every show he put all in. Yeah. It was very genuine. And I truly believe that with, with the shutdown and, and no shows happening and, you know, 14 months of no reciprocation in that like exchange of energy, you know, like he just kept giving pieces of himself away and giving pieces everywhere. And, and like a lot of people in the, in the music industry these days, um, it gets really tough yeah. to, to not have that reciprocation and, and Such um, a sense of purpose. Yeah. And you just, so yeah. really trying to focus on doing what Max did in the sense of, of giving and contributing and, using him as to try and emulate max yeah that's right yeah that's uh, but right keeping keeping that in mind as well because there's a there's a threshold right and i i would like i tell all those all his fans and friends and whenever people talk to me about it and so you take the bet your favorite parts about max the things that inspired you and you try to embody them for the rest of your life and that's the best thing you can do no. i mean that's like the only thing you can do really and that's how people live on you know I mean, max really good at that i mean that's that's the only thing that's worked for me in the past and i even these past few weeks i've definitely done things i wouldn't do uh said things i wouldn't say because like you know i was just trying to be more like him yeah yeah he set a great example that's for sure and in a lot of facets performance wise personal life wise social media wise he really oh yeah uh, you know, he he lifted people up and he he really put himself out there like you say he just was giving himself away in pieces whenever he had the opportunity. And we're both fortunate to, we each got a big piece of Max. That's for sure. Yeah. My Max story starts, man, he was, it starts before I knew him. He was a big fan of dead Larry when he lived in Mankato, dead Larry used to rage Mankato. We were like one of the biggest bands that ever went there at the time, <laughs> 2009 or whatever. And, you know, I didn't know him. He was just a bro partying at my show probably. But when he started playing Minneapolis, uh, he hit me up and kind country, their very first show in Minneapolis opened up for smoking Joe at the whiskey junction out on the patio at 5 PM on a Tuesday. And they were starstruck of me. And I thought that was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, he was just, there's just, we were just so similar and we had the same energy about music and it was just, it was, so from that point on, you know, we played together. He joined smoking Joe. He played as many sets as he could. He'd often, run from one set, like Chuck said, and I'd leave a line open for him and he'd run in and plug in and just play as much as he could. Um, you know, I was really fortunate to have that 
you know, and then moving along, like play with smoking Joe, we went on tour, you know, as smoking Joe and then, you know, kind country picked up and then kind country totally eclipsed in terms of like the fan base that I've ever had. So I actually ended up working for kind country and tour managing for them for a couple of years. I have fond memories of our little Midwest swing that we did. Oh yeah. I can picture the Airbnb in my mind's eye. <laughs> <laughs> The pizza party before we had or after <laughs> the before or after scene. I just remember like, yeah, just getting to room. It's like, Hey, I got all of kind country and all of Pertnier in this house. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was really fun. And it was just nice to like, not be a member of either band, but just keep the wheels turning, help these people. I love so much. Be, I had a purpose when I was with that band and it really was great. And then Max and I, uh, along with Olivia and John Hansen and Ned formed iron star, this rock band, because Max had so many, different parts of himself you know he had hip-hop projects he was bluegrass oriented mostly but he loved you know to rock out so he helped us form that band but also i think he bit off more than he could chew he helped form it write some songs and he's like i gracefully bow out but he was still in the chats he still participated in the band so he like never let go entirely he was always so candid about his health his priorities he was always very honest even if it like he was crying while he was telling you you know, Max once, I was going through some trouble with my girlfriend, now wife at the time, and we were at a festival, and Max sat me down in a tent for four hours until I was okay, and we had known each other for like six months. It was just the guy he was, and I saw that immediately, and I never wanted to not be around him, you know? I mean, I we would drop anything just to, you know, we needed it. Yeah, man. That, yeah. You know, when, Scarp, when I saw you at, at the Whiskey a couple weeks ago when we had the sort of informal gathering memorial, I told mm-hmm. you, I said one thing that I really respect about, you know, you and that I saw in both of you was your work ethic. And when I think about Max and, you know, you talk about carrying on his legacy, that's one thing that I really, really respected about him. I mean, I know he bit off more than he can chew. But that made him legendary like if he didn't do that it wouldn't be him right one thing i really want to take from max and people like you is that work ethic and that ability to really buckle down and focus and just try to to do as much as you can and if you do that good things are going to come you know good things come to people who work hard and you know that did happen with like you said with kind country they oh yeah like yeah you know like they were on the rise for sure and it is well the uh i lived with joe sheehan the bassist in kind country uh from 2013 through 2018 and that house was i mean it was just filled with music and uh right now the way station is there now nate wade is recording in the basement but just listening to that band evolve they practiced at the minimum once a week sometimes twice a week every week for the entire five years you could just like we've been talking about Max as a person, you know, right. and we all want to embody him as a person. But let's let's not let's not <laughs> sidestep the fact that he was phenomenal as a musician. And, oh, man. and it, you know, you just yeah. hear him. I listened to him pass anything I was capable of on the mandolin like many years ago. Right. And it is impressive. And, it, you know, it, it makes you like be competitive and <laughs> but in the most respectful, right. appreciative <laughs> And Max literally played his instrument, any instrument he was playing, more than anyone I ever know. Yeah. Like, literally, it was, you know, (laughs) you get get to the hotel, he'd grab his guitar, mandolin. You know, you get to a party, he'd grab whatever instrument was there. And he would just always be playing because it was so important to him to have that edge. You know what I mean? Because there was, you know, a moment when he unlocked some mandolin door in his head. Yeah. And then then after that, 
the response that he got from his talent, you know, it was just constant. You know, he taught me so many things about playing guitar, writing songs, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Max is one thing that I mean, Max said to me more than anything was just like, yeah, do it. Let's do it. We're doing that. Let's, you know, just like these affirmations. Everyone's unsure all the time. And Max was just like, yep. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do. You know, it's just like. Yeah, I really love that about Max. And as a, you know, as another mandolin player, getting to jam with him and hanging out with him, there was, I never felt a sense of competition or, you know, he wasn't a cutthroat player. It was just always fun to hang and fun to jam. And and I, I loved how he approached jamming as well. You know, he wasn't ever trying to outshine or outplay. He would, of course, have amazing musical ideas and stretch those ideas out and jam like, few others but he would always connect with you on kind of on your musical level when he was jamming with you and and that you know it really it really made for a conducive friendly exchange musically and which led into personally i'm sure you guys witnessed that so many times with him yourselves and along with other people in regard to max absolutely yes yes completely uh at the same time, <laughs> there's another side. There's another side to that coin, and oh, yeah. uh, he was incredibly competitive. Yeah, and uh, it was, but he was just the most humble person uh, about it. But but yeah, he was he was very competitive. I think with himself. Yeah. Um, I think that you don't get to a level of skill if you're not a little bit competitive. Yeah. Yeah. And on the road with kind country, like we'd get to after parties or a show and you'd have the young pickers show up ready to just like, you know, throw down with Max or Max would walk into a circle of bluegrass pickers in Colorado. And I'd be on the sidelines be like, "Uh Oh, here we go. And he would just <laughs> annihilate everything. And I was like, and then he'd finish and then, you know, it'd be like, sweet. Well, we're out. We win. <laughs> like I like, I was so glad to be on that team because he would just, the, just the bluegrass kind of like competitive circle nature, yep, yep. you know, I've seen Max like throw down just like as aggressive as he got, but with music. And it was just like, yeah, it was, it was incredible to see. The only place I, I saw him be <laughs> aggressive was, was on stage with an- and against racism. Yeah. And oh, against racism. Yeah. Things that he believed in. Mm-hmm. Things sure, that he believed yeah. in. Garp, I actually wanted you to touch on that a little bit. Cause I know he was definitely, a leader in that regard. And- oh, hell yeah. He said things that everyone thought, you know, I identify, I aligned my views. He was like my sound, like, like the things he said and the thoughts that he thought mm-hmm. helped build my structure of thinking. You know what I mean? So like there is a major void, right? I feel like we all, you know, need to take up a little bit of what he was doing because like he just unapologetically would not stand for it i know you know, i really it was incredible he he burned bridges he cut ties you know he like he lost friends and bookings and stuff but he just stuck to his values and he believed in humanity mm-hmm. and equality yeah he know? was rapidly inclusive and i really really respect that about him yeah it, yes. was, it was incredible you know and the thing like we were talking about securing max's legacy and i think chuck and i and anyone who's you know been in a band with him or known him really well like that is so important to us securing max's legacy in the future and making sure people understand who he was and what he did while he was here man yeah and if there's a pick and circle go play yeah 
If there's a show you want to go check out, buy the ticket. Go yep. to the show. Buy your friend a ticket. Buy your friend a ticket. Pass it forward. That's kind of it's cliff notes, but that's that's the way I see it. Every every little thing. Max inspired people to the point he would stay at the bar an hour after bar closed. We were all loaded up, and he would just be at the bar inspiring someone. I had to pull him away. Be like, they get it, dude. You're inspiring. I love it, but we got to go. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> like, I'm literally like, like he's like, what? He was like 6'4", you know, 200 plus, you know, and I'm just like grabbing him, my tiny self, like, Max, come here. <laughs> Time to go. You don't have to drive tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> That's that affirmation. Just do it. Just be who you are. Just, yeah, just get he out was, there. He yeah. saw people. He listened so much better than I yeah. can ever listen. And it was genuine. So genuine. It, it was, was genuine. magical, honestly. I don't know. There's no really way to explain how he could do that. Yeah, there, there was definitely that that larger than life thing about Max. Like you meet people in your life who are like a little bit more cosmic, you know, a little more. Yeah. More, oh, yeah. Another level. And, I, and that was uh, that was him in my mind for sure. Right on. Again, if if anybody listening wants to take anything away from from losing a, a really close friend and brother in music. It would be just continue, yeah. As as mo- as hard and genuine as you can, and you know, learn the instrument, learn the song, <laughs> take the time, turn, turn the TV off, <laughs> go outside, breathe the air, and just make it. Just yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, you Get know it done. it's a. It's impossible to fill the shoes, but but at the same time, like we're just so fortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, and it's just, he, he is, he is a testament to how much one person can do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk about his legacy and, you know, it comes to my mind, it comes with losing anybody uh, in this, in this lifetime, you know, you are left to appreciate your own life and what you have available to you and the opportunities that, you know, are still to come. And with Max, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunities musically, personally, that his legacy involves. I think that the community is going to be feeling the grief of this for a long time, but summer's going to be rough. Yeah, summer's <laughs> it's going to be a rough summer, but I think there's going to be an added level of compassion and community togetherness and kindness. You know, kindness, exactly, absolutely. Yep. I think Max's yep. legacy, a big part of that, is kindness. Absolutely. It has inspired thousands of people. Yeah. If not more. And just want to add, to kind of fit the theme of, of what I take away from all of this, um, call your friends. Mm-hmm. Call your friends and, you know, tell them, tell them you love them and it'll come back. You know, you don't have a lot of time to do that. So that's what Max said. He always said he loved. He did. And it, 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 it moves mountains if you're just real with with yourself and the people that you want to be around so thanks chuck i really i really think that's That's about it a great message to take away from this that's about it well thus concludes our podcast devoted entirely to the memory of our dear friend max graham i want to note that this episode could be days long i want to thank those people who contributed 
I want to acknowledge the people who couldn't muster it. I know what that's like, and everybody grieves in different ways. I want to thank you all for being a part of this great musical community that we have. Just remember, we got to continue to lift each other up and be kind. We love you all. We miss you all. We can't wait to see you. We can't wait to devote songs from stage to Max and his memory. We can't wait to hug you all and revel in the joy of what we love so much, which is that great musical experience, that special bond between artists and audience, between friends and strangers, between the earth and the cosmos. We don't know what we're going to do without you, Max, but there's one thing we do know. We love and miss you dearly. Well, I got my Two wheels on the road, 180 pounds, baby, what a load. But in my mind, I got a feeling that just can't be replaced. Hey there, wait a minute, son. Where do you think you're going? Hold your head steady, boy, it ain't no Spending most of my nights and 